Just in and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. And look at the final results. Are they Man. final? Is it done? Is it closed? 19,000 votes. It's Lamar done. Lamar Jackson would win in a race according to the always brilliant denizens of the Twitterverse. 50.4% to 49.6%. I think that's close enough to trigger a runoff over who would win in a race. Oh. Should we have a runoff over who would win in a race? I, I, mean, I wish they would run it off. I really would. Those are the kind of things where, you know, that's like – when we talk about the Pro Bowl and how you and I both agree it's like the worst sporting event in America now, that's the stuff I would turn on to watch. Oh, you're having an 80-yard race today between Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson? I'll watch. I'll tune that in. Oh, great. It's Tyree Kill versus DK Metcalf in the 100-yard dash? I'm watching. I mean, I would love to see it. I think you're right, Mike, though. I thought about it a lot yesterday because I asked you, right? And you said you depended on how long the race was. I feel like anything 40 and under – I don't know. I guess I'd want to edge with Kyler on that. But after that, I feel like Lamar would run him down a little bit and then start to open up and probably beat him in an 80 or 100-yard race. I don't know. You feel the same way there? I think I think whatever the distance, all You're the going way up Kyler? to 26.2 miles, I'm taking Kyler. Because <laughs> okay. that guy, they, he's just gone. And maybe it's because he's small and it looks like he's moving faster than he is. Yeah. But I see how he moves in space among other players. And the other players have a much harder time getting to him than they do getting to Lamar Jackson. That's why I just believe whatever the distance Kyler would win. Would you rather see a race between Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson or a long-distance throwing competition between Patrick Mahomes and your boy Blue, oh, Josh Allen? Well, that, that would, ooh, that's, a, that's a good one. I, mm, man. I think I'd probably, you know, I'm a thrower, so I'd like to probably see the throwing. Either one, I'm I'm getting my popcorn and sitting on the couch and going to enjoy that. But I think that Mahomes-Josh Allen one would be very interesting too. It'd be worth the price of admission because I do think Josh Allen, and, I, you know, I haven't seen it. Like, we've seen Mahomes have videos of him throwing the ball 80 yards. I haven't seen a video of Josh Allen doing it, but I've had many people tell me that they've seen it. I believe Troy Aikman even brought it up on air a few weeks ago when he did that Chiefs-Bills game that he he witnessed it. So uh, I think it would be very close, and I wouldn't be shocked if Josh Allen could maybe pump it out there a little bit farther. It's it's it'd be really close. So now we turn on this Wednesday edition of Pro Football Talk Live from competitions that can be objectively resolved to the inherently subjective configuration of 32 teams, as determined by me. Uh, Without necessarily a whole lot of advanced thought, sometimes yes, sometimes no. It's the power rankings. Not nearly as much shakeup this week as last week. There's the entirety of the list, 1 through 32. The Steelers continue to be at number one, Chris, yeah. because even though they weren't impressive against the Cowboys, what was I going to do, move the Saints all the way up to number one with two losses? The Chiefs weren't impressive against the Panthers. That was their opportunity. If the Chiefs had won by 21 points and the Steelers had struggled against the Cowboys, maybe I would have moved the Chiefs ahead of the Steelers. But they both struggled, yeah, they but did. not enough for the Saints to overtake them. Although, although, hey, if the Saints keep winning 38-3, to 
they may get to number one despite having two losses. Yeah, and I, I understand, you know, what, you, what you're saying with the one and two. I'd probably still put the Chiefs at number one just because of the, the how bad the Steelers looked. And not that the Chiefs looked great, but the Chiefs at least had moments in that game where they were close to where you go, oh, they're going to put it away. Oh, they're going to put it away. And then they do something dumb or something like that. So I still disagree with you there at one and two, but I understand your logic. The Ravens-Saints one at three and four, how much did you do splitting hairs there? Because I will say, I think I'd probably still put the Ravens a, a smidgen ahead of the Saints, but I get it. It wasn't the greatest win for them with the Colts. They come off the loss. The Saints have the big win, but how much thinking did you do there? Um, Not a whole lot. No? Not as much as maybe you think. I, I just, what the Saints did on Sunday night was so impressive, and you know, we were still reeling from the fact that we believed in the Buccaneers to win that game, and we were so badly wrong by what the Saints did to them that, I, you know, I felt like that was still resonating with me on Monday night when I was putting it together, and yeah. uh, I think they deserve to be number three. I mean, I did think, you know, right now, and, and it changes week in and week out, but based on what we saw from the Saints the other night, I... I I don't know. Would they beat the Chiefs if they played right now? I don't know. I think they'd give them a hell of a run for their money. I do, too. I don't think there's any doubt about that. You know, again, they I, do play. They do play coming I know. up. They do. Remember, we Drew told us that when we were at the Super Bowl with them last year. When we asked him about it, the Super Bowl winner, that will be the 49ers and Chiefs. He goes, well, we got to play both next year. And he we, he weaseled out of giving us an answer because of it. Uh, but I, I, I'm with you. And, hey, we've said all along that the Saints have the potential to be the most complete team in the NFC. We never really saw it till this week. That's where I, I don't understand some of the backlash with that, you know, the Saints and how come you didn't pick them and all that. They haven't looked that great. This was by far their best game of the year in, in every aspect. It really was. And now let's see if they can build on it. I mean, if we see the next few weeks where we go, ooh, you know, okay, they're winning. Let's not say it's 38-3, to but they're winning and they're still looking a lot like they did on Sunday Night Football, then, hey, yeah, maybe you got a case there to put them at number one, number two. But – um, I, I'm, I'm, I want to just see it one more week of just clean football, I guess, before you, you start to throw them in the chief Steelers category. How about this fact as it relates to the Kansas city chiefs? I saw this on Twitter yesterday and I can't remember where the chiefs have now lost in the last calendar year, one game, the game against the Raiders. That's the only game they've lost since November 10 of 2019. They lost to the Titans that day, that wild, crazy regular season game yeah. where uh, the Titans, what was it? Was it a blocked field goal? It was a goal blocked field goal. Yeah. yeah, crazy thing at the end of the game. 35-32, the Titans won November 10th. That's the last time, other than the loss to the Raiders this year, that's the last time the Chiefs lost a game. That's an incredible, incredible run. And, you know, one of the things I talked to Travis Kelsey about on Sunday, they're, they're pissed off that they lost to the Raiders. They have the bye week to get ready for the Raiders, and they don't plan on losing another game anytime soon. And somehow they're flying under radar. They Here's are. another fact about the Chiefs, Chris. They've held a lead at some point in the game for 51 straight games, including 45 games with Patrick Mahomes, who was 36-9 and nine as a starter. But for 51 straight games, at some point in the game, they've been ahead. Yeah. That is unreal. That is unreal. And it, it speaks to... You know, I, to me, you know, again, their toughness, they're, they're more physical than we give them credit for. Of course, Mahomes and that offense always answer when they are down. I mean, we've really never seen them not answer to where you go, oh, we're going to have a game. I mean, really, the Raiders game this year was about as far as it's ever gotten out of reach as far as I can remember with Mahomes as a starting quarterback in Kansas City. But then the other thing I think it proves, too, is just their defense is versatile. And, yeah, it's not statistically at the top of the league all the time, but – they can match up against any offense in football, and I think that's their greatness. And we see when they, they're kind of like the same – you know, they embody their team. When they're focused and on things, they stop things. Oh, we're playing the Ravens? We need to stop Lamar Jackson running? No problem. They do it. Oh, Derrick Henry in the AFC Championship game? No problem. We do it. You know, they let up plays here and there. They lose their attention to detail, it seems like. But, yeah, it speaks to the bigger, complete team that Veach and Andy Reid have built there to where, yeah, there's never a team that totally is a mismatch for them in any way. Points Bet, which is the official sports betting partner of NBC Sports, has a look-ahead line where the AFC representative in the Super Bowl would be a two-and-a-half-point favorite over the NFC representative. Does yeah. that seem right to you? 
I think it does. I think it does too. I think the AFC is clearly the more quality conference. There's no doubt. You know, the NFC, you know, we just talked with the Saints and the Bucks are the two teams we had in there for most complete teams. We know there's issues with the Packers. They got a great quarterback, definitely. I mean, they're in the mix. Seattle, we know there's issues there too. You know, there, there's there's flaws with every NFC team for the most part, except for really the, the Saints right now. What? Let's have some fun. Here. Yeah, let's do it. Chiefs. Let's say it's Chiefs Seahawks. What, yeah. what would the line be? What what would what would you think the betting line would be? Chiefs Seahawks. I'm gonna say Chiefs by four. I was thinking four and a half. Yeah. What if it What if it would be uh, Chiefs Saints? Ooh, I think that'll be less. Now, and they will be. And they will be. They will be yeah. playing later this year. But I'm talking about Super Bowl Chiefs right. Saints. What do you think? I think it's gonna be like Chiefs by two or one and a half almost. How about Steelers Bucks? That was the Super Bowl. Wow. Wow. Well, I'm flawed right now with my mind in the Tampa Bay area. So it's like hard to come up with a realistic <laughs> one because I still got that image of last week to where I go, well, right now, I, I, I guess, I mean, Steelers are going to be the favorites. And I would think that would be something like a two and a half point spread, something like that as well, somewhere in there. Yeah, it would be that was a tough one. It's a tough I have one. One more before we move on. Yeah, Chiefs, Packers. Oh baby, I don't know. That would be torture for me though. I don't know who I'd root for. <laughs> I don't know, but I think the Chiefs would probably. I'm gonna say like three and a half in that one. I'd go with the Chiefs. Yeah, you know. Oh, hey, yeah. hey, you want real torture? You want real torture? Packers Bills. Oh, that's real torture for you. <laughs> it would be. It would be, and I would think the Packers would be favored in that one by. I, you know, I don't, that, that would be, I think a little closer than people might realize maybe three, three and a half, somewhere right in there. I think that would be dangerous though. That'd be the kind of matchup but, that Josh Allen and them could win if they got the Super Bowl. And I also think what happens by the time you would rise up out of the AFC playoff field, you would have a different vibe Definitely. around you than right now. No, that's right? exactly it. Right. I mean, we see teams that, you know, really come to a culmination a lot of the times in the playoffs to where they hit their peak play divisional championship game weekend and they're a different team than we even thought they were in week 13 or 14 so yeah this is still a work in progress but I mean to the original question I, I think you're you're no there's no doubt as far as the AFC is the better conference right now you're seeing that hey I mean look at the AFC East I mean what the Bills are what two and one against the NFC the great NFC West the Dolphins are what Three and one? Three and one. Against Three the great NFC West? So that just shows you a little right there. And, of course, we've seen the Patriots beat the Raiders and be toe-to-toe -to -toe with the Chiefs. So that just speaks to, you know, we don't view the AFC East as this power conference, but yet we talk about the NFC West being the best division of football, and the AFC East has given them a run for their money. Yeah, no, I agree with you completely. Yeah. And uh, who knows who's going to come out of that AFC field, but I feel like whoever it is, they are going to have an edge over the NFC representative because I just don't see that team that jumps off the page consistently. Yeah, it's just that's it. one week it's this team, one week it's that team, one week it's this team, one week it's that team, and there isn't that that you know that overpowering 49ers type team that's just no, steamrolling through right. the conference. Right. We ask for questions when we do this, both on the PFT Twitter page and on the Chris Sims Twitter page, and there are plenty of questions. Here's one as it relates to the Ravens, who are now number four, up three spots from last week. At Toasty Sam 13, do the Ravens have the offense, Chris, to win in the playoffs? That that will be the big question about the Ravens. And I, I, I don't know if you listened to that little clip I had in the show from my podcast a little bit, because I discussed this on Monday. You know, we're all critical of Lamar Jackson sometimes and, oh, can they win with the drop-back pass game? And that's where I had to check myself before I wrecked myself last week as I was thinking about it because I also had to go, wait, let's be realistic here. Yeah, there's been some moments where Lamar could be better in the pass game, but it's still really damn good. I mean, it's really – we're being nitpicky with this guy a little bit. And I, I think the other thing that just comes to me as I watch the Ravens on film so much is, you know – yeah, I don't have faith in their pass offense, and it has nothing to do with Lamar Jackson. I don't see enough creative ways to get playmakers the ball, enough wide-open players, you know, just, just not enough there in the pass game schematics that stress a defense out. And I think that, to me, is something they really need to dive into here down the stretch because I think if they are going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, and maybe have to beat the Steelers, 
and who else in the AFC that at some point that's going to have to rely on that pass game. It's going to. And it can't just be Lamar scrambling and making plays or little short passes over the middle. It's going to have to be something more to that. And I think that's still a big question about their football team. And as we get closer and closer to the postseason, that narrative is going to get stronger and stronger because Lamar Jackson and the Ravens are 0-2. For as great as they are in the regular season, they're 0-2 in the postseason. John Harbaugh told me after the win over the Colts, as he explained that he's leery about the Patriots because they're still the Patriots. They still have Bill Belichick. He pointed out, we have a very young team. People don't realize how young this team is. They're still kind of learning their way. Yeah. And they have to learn how to play in these big games against tough opponents. And I think part of that is preparing them for having some success in the postseason because if they lose again this year, the narrative gets even stronger and it will continue to grow and grow year in and year out until they finally show they can win in the playoffs. We have the Bills at number six. Um, and at Derek Rudolph has a question as it relates to Buffalo, considering the victory over the Seahawks, 10 points, 44-34. Are they back in the Super Bowl conversation? You know, we had a gap yeah. between Ravens, Chiefs, Titans, Steelers, and the Bills. Are they are they closing that gap? Are they? Is it a five-team conversation now in the AFC? I don't know if I'm ready to go there. You know, I don't know. I, I, I don't think I'm going to say that yet. I do think it made me feel better about them, de- definitely. And not even necessarily that they just won by 10 points. But watching the film back, too, to me, their defense showed some different aspects, Mike, that was we hadn't seen. I, I don't know what it is, but they kind of played a different way this past week against Seattle. I feel like it's like Sean McDermott got back involved and was like, no, wait, we've got to do some more of this and that and this. It was a little more creative. They definitely were more physical up front to where I think they're teetering on that line of the conversation, but I don't think I could put them in the class still. Like, I think I might have pulled Tennessee out of that group too right now where I just go, I'm not so sure. They're right on the fringe, but in like the AFC, Pittsburgh, Kansas City, and Baltimore are for sure Super Bowl contenders. And then I feel like Tennessee and Buffalo – are the next group there that you go, ooh, they're close. I'd like to see a little more about this and that. Uh, but but they have some qualities of being a Super Bowl team. I don't know, Mike, you feel the same way? Or do you think Buffalo's back in that Super Bowl combo? I, I think they're moving toward it, and I agree with you. Maybe the combination of the Bills rising and the Titans sliding a little bit, even though the Titans manhandled the Bills. That was now several weeks ago. Teams change. Yeah. They get better. They get worse. They rarely stay the same. We're going to learn a lot about the Titans on Thursday night when they play the Indianapolis Colts in the first of two matchups between those teams, which will likely decide the champion of the AFC South. Uh, the Seahawks, I moved them from number three down to number seven after losing in in as ugly fashion as they did to the Buffalo Bills. Um, I, I don't know how to feel about them. I know. Any given week. You know, the Cardinals kind of popped that bubble of we'll always find a way to win. And I felt like against the Bills, we were creeping toward that. Here they come. Here come the Seahawks doing Seahawks things and pulling a victory out of the jaws of defeat. You know, the four interceptions in the first half of the NFC Championship game from five years ago. It's just the setup for the dramatic finish. I kept thinking that's going to happen. And maybe we're just at a point where there isn't enough around Russell Wilson to let that occur, Chris. No, I, I you know, it, it's it's a little scary. I mean, they got to have the, they need a, an adjustment on the defensive side of the ball. There's just no other way to say it. It's just it's it's too easy for offenses at times, you know, and I, I don't know what that approach is going to be. You know, their pass rush is a little bit better. Jamal Adams was out there, but to me, the big thing is to where they got to reevaluate. It's just too aggressive. I mean, last week, it's just too much blitzing, too many DBs that are not that great and man to man on an Island versus receivers that are much better than them. You know, you know, third and 15, like the, you know, the play we've talked about a lot, it's a wide receiver screen. It's an all-out blitz. The DB covering the wide receiver is not even in the screen when you're watching it. I mean, he catches a ball. got four lead blockers, and it's down to the one-yard line. It's a you know a 35-yard gain on, on third and 15. There's just too many big plays throughout, let alone some mix-ups and coverage and things like that, too, to where I don't know what they do, but I think they need to back off the we're going to blitz and get in your face and play that style of football so much because it's just making it too easy in some of these offenses right now. 
Question from at Gong Show West. We may need to pull up the full list of power rankings to answer this properly, but which of the top seven teams, and they are the Steelers, Chiefs, Saints, Ravens, Titans, Bills, Seahawks, which is Fugazi and most likely to drop out of the top seven by the end of the season? Wow. Wow. That is a tough one there. Hmm. I don't, I don't have one in the top seven that I look at and just go absolute fugazi. I don't. I don't know if there's one there. I mean, really, I think the one I probably am questioning more than anything right now is the Tennessee Titans. I, I would say that to a degree because their defense has been so poor. They can't get a pass rush. People throw the ball all over them. People run the ball over them. I mean, it's Mike Vrabel. They're the 25th-ranked defense in the sport. And, you know, the offense has shown a little issues, too, here as of late to where it's not been as overpowering that way. So I guess if I'm going to pick one, that's going to be it. But the next three weeks are going to really tell us about the Tennessee Titans because it's Colts, Ravens, Colts. And we'll, I'll really be, we'll really be able to answer that question. I, what, do you, what do you think, Mike? Are you going to go with Tennessee? you got another team you think is Fugazi-ish. I, I need to see Tennessee. Of those seven, I need to see them reestablish themselves. And then if we extend it beyond seven, that you know the Packers, even though they had a great week nine because they won convincingly, they saw the Saints beat the Bucks, which helps the Packers in the race for the one seed. They yeah. saw the Seahawks lose, which helps them. I, they've got that weird thing that just can pop up out of nowhere and bring them down and yeah. I don't like that no, we saw I it know. against the Bucks we saw it against the Vikings we saw it last year every time they played in California they, there's just something about the Packers that it, it's impossible for me to completely trust because you never know when they're going to step in a trap and the traps seem to be plentiful when it comes to the Green Bay Packers, and I feel like that could screw things up for them yeah um, another how about this question from Big Daddy Bustard because we have the Dolphins at 9 and the Bucks at 10, do you really think Miami is Florida's best chance at making a Super Bowl? Well, we can forget about the Jaguars, obviously. It comes down to the Dolphins and the Bucks. And right now, the way things are moving for the Miami Dolphins, the way they're playing, the way they're winning, I feel better about them than I feel about that team that got plastered on Sunday night. Yeah, I, 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 I mean – it is easy to feel good about the Dolphins right now, where they're where they're going, everything like that. I don't know. I mean, that was one that I was going to talk about, like your your eight, nine, ten area there, where I thought was interesting. I probably would have put the Bucks in front of the Dolphins. You know, yeah, the Bucks played a crap game last night. I started. I still got to see more from Tua and that offense, and not to. I'm not. It was a great start last week, but that Cardinals defense is not exactly the steel curtain, and the way in which they used Tua, as I think I've explained to you. That formula will be easily figured out here very quickly. It's going to have to expand the offense a little bit. So that's where I want to see where it goes. I'm very excited about Miami Dolphins. But, man, in a one game, if it was like one game, we got to get in the playoffs, who are you going to pick? I'm going to pick the Buccaneers on that matchup right now. I think there's something about the Dolphins that is psychological. They have been so mediocre for so long I think teams are going to have a hard time taking them seriously, mm -hmm. even as they win and win and win and win. I, I think it just takes time. And 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 let's 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 be candid about it. The uniforms are awful. Can we please go back to the to the old ones with the the dolphin on the helmet that's jumping and, and looks like a real dolphin, not some stylized graphic that you paid way too much to have someone make for you. They just, they, there's nothing intimidating about the Dolphins uniform. Can we get some intimidation there? That's the one thing about that Arizona Miami game. It was fun to watch, but both uniforms are horrible. Like a, a mildly perturbed bird is on the side of the Cardinals helmet and this weird looking dolphin graphic on the, I, I just it's I just think it's hard to take the Dolphins seriously because of the years of mediocrity and there's nothing intimidating about that that collection of jerseys and pants and helmets. Am well, I wrong it's never been, well, it's never been, but I, I don't know. I mean, they dominated the '70s and had a lot of good times, and you know, I don't know. You're right. It's 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 Florida colors. They're just they don't look tough. 
you know, and and you know, the Buccaneers for, look tough. I guess they ended up getting. I guess I almost I almost dropped them even farther. I was so mad about how they made us look bad for picking them. Oh. They're lucky they're only number ten. They should count their blessings. I know it's very important to them where they are in my power rankings. You're lucky you're not 15, 17, or twenty Tampa Bay Buccaneers after that egg you laid on Sunday night. Oh, I know you wanted to get personal and really drop. Oh, I, re- them. oh, I was pissed. mad. Uh, <laughs> I was mad. How dare you make us look stupid, Tampa Bay Buccaneers? How, how dare? Um, all right, that's uh, that's probably all we need to talk about. I'm looking through these questions to see if there's another good one. Uh, how, how about this? Yeah. I like this from at Wolfpack, at Wolf49ack, which I don't know. Uh, but, yeah. Where is the line for the teams that should be tanking? Where, where is it right now where you would – and maybe we need to put the graphic up. Where How bad do you have to be – to, to just throw in the towel after nine weeks and say we only win by losing. I, I, I mean, I think anybody with two wins should be just about in that conversation. I mean, I, I would think be thinking about that, certainly. I mean, hey, we know, you know, Jacksonville, the Jets are in that conversation, but when you start to get to the Chargers in Houston at two and six – you know, and then the in the football team at two and six along yeah, with yeah, da- but they can still win the division. I That's I think the, the dividing one. line for me right now. Leave the graphic up. I think it's between twenty six and twenty seven because the Giants and Washington are still alive to win their division. I think twenty seven through thirty two, they should be activating tank mode now. I wouldn't even. The care. more you lose, the better off you are. I I was gonna say I wouldn't even care if I'm the Giants or Washington. I wouldn't. I don't know if that's necessarily the best thing for the team. Yeah, I know you want to win. You know, start a winning culture and all those things too but man I, I mean I, I don't know how either one of those teams even though are in the conversation still in the NFC East that they they're smart enough to know that they have no chance and at some point you just got to go okay you know yeah we want to win be better get something grow something here but you know at the same time I, I would think some of those teams yeah you start to think about positioning a little bit as far as the draft is concerned and speaking of the draft, there's been another development from the league as it relates to encouraging the hiring of minority coaches and general managers, draft pick compensation, but not for the team that you would think would be getting those extra picks. We'll talk about that when PFT Live continues. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. I'm ready to go. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. What do you need for work? I'm an ad salesman. (laughs) Oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. Another poll. Another day, another poll. Branching off of a topic that we discussed a little while ago, what would you rather see? A foot race between Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson or a throwing competition between Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen? So far, much more interest in seeing Mahomes and Allen look at uh, whether or not one of them can throw the ball over their mouth. They probably both can. The question is, where do they land on the other side? Yeah, uh, that's right. That would be great. Remember, they used to do the world's fastest man, the NFL's fastest man, whatever that was. They used to do that. And then last year, they had that goofy 40 yards of gold competition where guys showed up and allegedly never got paid for showing up and running in this various bracket category of races. But I remember back in the 80s, I think it was, they did the NFL's fastest man, and that was fascinating to watch. So there's a market there for it. As long as you as long as long you do it at a point in the calendar where the guy's got plenty of time to recover from the hamstring injury that he That's may right. suffer 
while doing something that uh, he probably shouldn't be doing, which is running full speed, top speed in a competitive environment because you can easily pull a hamstring, pull a calf, and get yourself not as prepared for football season as you should be. All right. This was something that Peter King mentioned over the weekend that the NFL was going to consider on Tuesday. The owners considered it and they passed it. A proposal to incentivize the development of candidates who would become coaches and general managers, minority candidates working their way through the pipeline. And so, and the best example is this, if the Chiefs lose offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy to a head coaching job with, say, the Texans or the Falcons next year, the Chiefs get two third-round compensatory draft picks, one in 2021, one in 2022. And that applies if you have employed the individual at least two years, whether you lose them to a head coaching position or a GM job. It's the incentive to have a diverse and inclusive and robust developmental program people you're giving responsibility to, people you are grooming. There's no incentive for the team that makes the hire. Remember when they suggested that, Chris, earlier this year? Yeah. There was a lot of pushback. It it And as Tony Dungy told me at the time, I interviewed him for a good 25 minutes on right, this topic. I remember. Why are you rewarding someone for doing the right thing? Right. There's a stigma attached to it as you walk through the door. Oh, yes. you only did this to get some draft picks. So that was the tiebreaker. Wait a minute. What about you wanted the best candidate? So I like that they didn't go that route. There's going to be pushback, though, that there's any type of compensation to, to create an environment that teams should want to create anyway. But it's gotten so bad. Yeah. And I don't want to say it's gotten bad. It was always bad. It really hasn't improved much over the last generation. I think it's worth a try to see if it does, in my mind, Chris, shift away from the who you know and who you're That's related the problem. to right. model to just simply – giving out these jobs based on merit. No, that 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 that's exactly it. That's where I think it, it has to be done. I mean, I, I do I like the idea of this. I do. You know, I, I think there's a lot of positives there, really, for, for the whole league and everything. And hopefully we can do this to jumpstart it. And then we don't have to have this in a few years to where it's finally like, hey, you know, Brian Flores and Chris Gear, you know, man, two black guys, they're kind of awesome down there in the Miami team. Maybe I should too. Maybe I shouldn't just hire guys because they're they're white and I feel more comfortable. Or to the bigger issue, to like you have said, the biggest thing is just the culture of the community, coaching community in the NFL. And I'm not saying this to disrespect anybody, but yeah, for the most part, it's long rooted in you know family histories, and it is about who you know. It's not about what you know. It's in fact all about who you know. And of course, through that. Yeah, there's a, it's been a lot of white people who have been running football teams for a long, long time. So who do they know? More white people more times than not. And that's what happens in these buildings. So, you know, from that aspect, I like it. The one question I'll have, and I saw that I, I, it's in here in our sheets anyway, so you probably have been thinking about this too. You know, if you're, like, going to lose Eric Bieniemy, right, and let's just say the Chargers want to hire him, you know, are they going to be scared to hire him? Because now they know the Chiefs are going to get two extra picks. You know, I, I would hope not just because they're going to cut off their own nose to spite their face, right? Hey, Eric Bieniemy is the best choice. Take him no matter what. But I just guess that little unintended consequence does come to my mind just a little. Well, I, if Bieniemy going anyway, it doesn't matter. The Chiefs are still getting the two third-round compensatory picks. That's a good point. I think point. what becomes an right. issue is where, let's say, the Chargers – let's say Bieniemy wasn't a hot candidate. But the Chargers know from facing the Chiefs twice per year, yeah. this guy's got something. He's not he's not an A-lister, right, yet, but he could become one. Maybe we and, – and I think in that situation, grabbing away a talented assistant, oh, yeah, they're going to get a couple of third-round compensatory picks. Oh, well, they're losing that's the, that's, Eric Bieniemy, and we're picking up Eric Bieniemy. So, right. fine, get your two third-round compensatory picks. So, that's the answer. But, but, You're right. But in a sport where everything gets analyzed and scrutinized and strategized, you are going to have those conversations. You are going to stop and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. What are, the, what are all the consequences of hiring this guy? We're giving a division rival two third-round picks if we hire him. Are we comfortable with that? And it would be foolish to think that 
football teams that understand you look at all the rules, all the consequences, all the the various issues that may arise, and and you factor them into your decision. You know, is it determinative? No, because again, I'd rather get a great assistant from one of my rivals than worry about my rival getting two third round compensatory picks. But those could be valuable picks. Yeah, they you can. could be seeing. Uh, your your rival pick up a couple of key players that will be a thorn in your side for years to come. Yeah, no, I, I think that's it. But I think you answered it. I think you're right. The fact that you first off want to hire the guy because you think he's talented and he gives your team the advantage. Second off, yeah, you might lose those picks, but I think your point about, wait, we've taken a great coach off that team's roster too. So yeah, they got two picks, but we took a great coach away. I think there's some merit in that. I, either way, I'd like the idea... I don't think it's being disrespectful to anybody here. I wish we weren't having the conversation, but like you said, it's just gotten crazy. It's out of touch, and uh, something needs to be done there to just just jumpstart it a little bit here in this league. And, and let's just be clear about how this all got rolling back in 2002. The Rooney Rule emerged in response to a very clear threat of imminent litigation that it had gotten so bad and the evidence was so clear. All they had to find was a plaintiff. And, and the problem is, and this is where the NFL will always ultimately benefit from a structure that doesn't result in proper representation in the coaching ranks and the general manager ranks of minority candidates, even though 70% of the players are minorities. The idea that no one is going to give up his career as an assistant coach to be the one who carries the flag for the lawsuit against the NFL. Because at the end of the day, you're, you become the coaching equivalent of Colin Kaepernick if you're the one who sues the NFL for racial discrimination. Right. You just are. And, and I think the perfect plaintiff would be maybe an older coach who's been passed over multiple times, who's maybe thinking about retiring anyway. And who knows? Hey, maybe you can throw in an age discrimination claim because I think age discrimination is – as prevalent, if not more prevalent, in the NFL than than any type of a racial bias that has manifested itself over the past 20 years or well prior to that. But this all started because the NFL was afraid of getting sued. And we're only going to see truly meaningful change in any American business if they're doing things, whatever the industry, whatever the company, whatever the context, if they're doing something they shouldn't do, the threat of litigation, viable litigation, non-frivolous litigation, that is what's going to get you to change behavior. And people like to complain about the legal system all the time, except when, of course, they want to use it. Then it's great. But, you know, the very people who are rushing into court now are the people who hate the legal system. They hate getting sued. A frivolous lawsuit is any lawsuit filed against me, right? Having the threat of litigation is the thing that keeps billion-dollar businesses in line, which, Chris, is why they hate it so much. They want to control everything. They don't want anyone telling them what not to do. Having the ability of the average person to go into court and to force that billion-dollar business to answer tough questions and be accountable, they hate it, Yeah. except when they want to use it. Then yeah. they love it. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I, you're, you're right. I get that. I definitely do. Um, maybe, maybe one day it'll take that kind of action. We'll see. We'll see where this goes here. You know, I really – it is disappointing the last few years. You know, I always sit there and still think about Eric Bieniemy whenever we have this type of conversation. The fact that there was just no major interest in him last year really bothered me. It really did. He's got everything about it. And we've just seen too many good African-American coaches either passed over or mistreated. I mean, come on. I mean, what's Jim Caldwell, right? I mean, that, that's an embarrassment to the NFL. It's an embarrassment. I don't know how to say it. Guy was a good coach. Went to the Super Bowl. Goes to Detroit. Man, they were better then than now. But yet, he was looked at a bad thing. And let's fire him and get him out of here. I mean, he was going to the playoffs and all that. So that's where uh, it just isn't a good look for the NFL. And, and I'm glad they're trying to take some action here and, and get this right. Plenty of companies have a policy that prohibits any form of nepotism. It really is astounding to me that NFL teams never blink an eye about coaches hiring their children. Never blink an eye. Yeah. It's it's almost encouraged at this point. And I remember one of the things that Marty Schottenheimer, now maybe this was just a pretext because A.J. Smith wanted to get rid of him anyway, but I think Schottenheimer wanted to hire a brother 
or something like that, and and A.J. Smith wouldn't let him, and that contributed to the dysfunction and the ultimate falling out. But most teams don't have any prohibition whatsoever on hiring your kids. And I understand that coaches who have been absent for the 18 years that the child was growing up feel yeah. like this is a way to make up for it, oh, it by spending, is. instead of no hours per day with the kid, they're now spending 20 hours a day with the kid because they're working elbow to elbow to get the game plan ready for this weekend. But I'm surprised that that the NFL – because let me tell you, if you want to enhance the pipeline of minority candidates, one way to do it is to say to the white coach, you can't hire your kid, yeah, period. I know. That's, that, that, that's that where would it's be, tough. That would create a job that would go to someone based on merit, right. not based on genetics. Right, like maybe your kid can get hired, but not by you where you work or something like that. I, I mean, that that's where it is tricky, you know, and of course – Hey, there's a lot of people out there that are the coach's son who are very good at the job too. I mean, there is something to that too. This is where it's a tricky conversation. Right. I mean, because you've been around it your whole yeah, life, exactly. just like Kyle. It's the family One of the reasons Kyle's so good. Right. He's been around it his whole life. He is more qualified than anyone else. That right. So Sean even if, grew even up if it around is, it, I mean, yeah. it's just so that's where it's a really tricky one. You know, it really is. But yeah, we have other instances where you know we have certain coaches who in the past few years, go and take coordinator jobs or whatever. And it's really just about setting their son up so he can take over. And now I'll get out of the game, but now my son was left in a good spot. I took that job just to set him up and now I'm out of the game and my son's doing well. You know, that's where it is a little tricky and I don't know how you fix that. I really don't. That's a tough discussion there. Yeah. And, and uh, look, I've heard stories over the years about certain coaches who just hang around that one extra year, hoping that that extra year gives the son yes. enough of an opportunity right. to prove that he belongs right. so that he doesn't need to be tied to dad. He can go do this on his own somewhere, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. What I is, get more is, mad at than anything, Mike, and just in my experience, is how many people are in the league or in the front offices, again, not even relationships – but just about who you know, like not never been involved in football in any capacity, but dad was rich and powerful. And I called dad and I said, I want to work for an NFL team. And he called the owner and now I'm in the front office. I don't know which way is which on the football field, but now I have a job. And that to me is more of an issue than the family job. You know, I've told you that I just, I've seen it too much. Oh, how'd you get this job? Oh, my dad's the lawyer for the owner. How'd you get this job? My dad's the dentist for the owner. I mean, it's just like, what? Okay, great. Do you know what a football looks like? Yeah, I've seen one once before. Oh, great. Now you're going to call in shots here. That's where I get livid when I start to get into those conversations. Are you talking about front office jobs that are related to football or front office jobs related to business? No, to football too. That, no, yeah. to football too. Yes, football. All football I'm talking about. I'm not talking about, yeah. yes, if it was for you know business purposes, that's a different angle. But that to me is where I, I get very frustrated when I hear those kind of stories throughout the NFL. Well, and so many businesses in America are driven by that, who you know and who you're related to. And it's especially prevalent in the NFL what the owners passed yesterday is aimed at pushing against that, and let's hope that it does. The NFL needs to do it because it's the right thing. Regardless of litigation risk, it's the right thing to do. The litigation system there is to encourage you to do the right thing, but sometimes maybe you do the right thing even without worrying about getting sued if you don't do the right thing. All right, we need to take a break. When we return, we're going to have a draft of the teams currently on the outside looking in for the playoff field. Who are most likely to crash the party, assuming that the next eight weeks of the season are played? More PFT Live right after this. Second installment of the award-winning drama Save Me comes to Peacock with Save Me 2. Father's search for his missing daughter continues, and this season brings more secrets, more suspects, and more surprises. Start streaming Save Me 2 today. This is a British drama starring Lenny James, who played Saul in Snatch. So hello, London. And the rest of the year. He was great in Snatch. I love him. Save Me 2. Check out Save Me 2 on Peacock. All right, Chris. Time to draft the playoff party crashers. The team's currently on the outside looking in. Who could be on the inside looking out by the time it's all said and done? Assuming we get the next eight weeks in. Here's the question. Who currently has the worst record among the 2019 playoff teams? Dun, dun, dun. The Eagles? 
Oh, wait, the 2019. 2020? Wait, 2019. Talk- Sorry. 2019 playoff teams. Teams from last year. Yes, thank Last you. year's playoff teams. Who's got the, the worst record Titans? now? Oh. It's the Vikings? No, wait. Oh, Is you're talking about. I'm confused by the question. I'm talking about last year. So, team that made the playoffs last year. Yes, right. Currently with the worst record. I can go more slowly. Man, One I'm more try. flustered now. One more try. I don't even know. Houston uh, Texans at two and forget six. Forget it. Houston I Texans. give up. I don't care. Okay, go ahead. What is it? Yeah. T- Houston Texans. They're two and six. Uh, they won the division. They're right. two and six. Yes. All right. Uh, I don't even know who's on the outside looking in, but I'm going to go ahead and take the Vikings. Yes, I am. What? The what? papers are still <laughs> pending. When you look at the, and this is the ultimate jinx. Hey, Vikings, it was fun for a couple of weeks. Dalvin Cook, the NFC Offensive Player of the Week for two weeks in a row. The, his MVP odds have gone from plus 8,000 down to plus 4,000. They'll probably go even lower. Look, and this is something Tariko kept telling me over the weekend. I think he was just trying to troll me. But look at the schedule coming up for the Vikings. They can go from 1-5 and five to 7-5 and five based upon the quality of the opponents before they go to Tampa Bay. And based on the way Tampa Bay played on Sunday night, maybe they'll be 8-5 and five when it's time to play the Bears again. Maybe they'll be 9-5 and five when it's time to play the Saints on Christmas Day. But look, at now, Monday night at the Bears is not going to be easy. No. It will not be easy. They always struggle at Soldier Field, especially at night. But after that, Cowboys, Panthers, Jaguars, three straight home games. If only they had fans. Hey, and that Panthers game, Teddy coming back to town, that's not going to be easy either. Because no. Teddy's going to want to win right. when he comes back to Minnesota. And Teddy's looking pretty good this year. But but still, still, they're, they're doing well. And uh, that would be my first pick. Who you got? Yeah, well, I, I think I'm, I'm going to go with the Indianapolis Colts. You know, I know it's a little obvious there. But, I, I mean, to, for me, there's just too many things about the team still that I like. Now, they do have a little bit of a tough schedule here down the stretch. It's no slam dunk. But I still think with their defense being one of the best in football, man, that game was there to be had in a lot of ways against the Ravens last week. You know, I, I think they're a good I think they're a playoff football team. I think that's really what I come down to. And they've set themselves up. It's five, you know, they're five and three. We'll see where it goes. But when you do break down their schedule, you could see it's it can be a little shaky. I mean, hey, these next three weeks with Titans, Packers, Titans. They could be a singing a different tune here right after this. So I don't know where that goes. And they got the Raiders and the Steelers still also on the schedule too. But I do believe in them as a football team. It's a little all over the place. They haven't beat a ton of really quality teams, but they beat the teams they're supposed to beat. Now we're going to see here. But uh, I'm going to go with the Colts. I'll go with Washington for my next pick because Whoa. of the division they're in. They're, they're in. Hey, look, I – Alex Smith is now the guy moving forward. Kyle Allen is injured, and Alex Smith is going to have a chance to actually prepare to play instead of be thrust into the game like he was last week. And yes, he had some bad throws. There also were some just weird, fluky things that happened. I believe in Alex Smith. I believe in Ron Rivera. And and I'm being influenced by the fact that it would be one hell of a story if they turn it around and win that division. They're not far behind the Eagles. They beat the Eagles. They get to play them again. You know, as long as they don't have to play the Giants anymore, and they don't, they've already lost their two games this year to the Giants. Maybe Washington can make something happen. So I, I, I only because of the division they're in, am I intrigued by the possibility of them making the playoffs? I get you, but yeah, I mean, you're you're in Crazyville on that one, Crazyville, okay, Crazyville. Uh, I also too, I mean, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm shocked there is not even a conversation about Dwayne Haskins going back into play. Is that weird to you? Is that weird to anybody? I, mean, I think there's more to that story that we don't know that we'll find out after they trade him in the offseason. I mean, apparently. There's no reason. There's no reason for them to tell us everything that they don't like about Dwayne Haskins until they unload him onto someone else. Or do they just waiting to lose maybe one or two more games before they go and say, okay, let's see what he has at the end of the season. All right, I'm going to go with the Cleveland okay. Browns. You know, again, the Cleveland Browns are sitting there in 5-3, and three, and them sitting there at 10-6 and six, is very realistic. I mean, maybe even better. It's not like it's an overwhelming schedule. We know that, but they have, again, weapons. They can run the football, and they have a few playmakers on defense. And, I mean, arguably the best defensive player in football, not named Aaron Donald, is Miles Garrett. I mean, so from that aspect, and, again, I know schedules here. Really, there's no – you know, the Ravens, they'll be underdogs. Titans, they'll be underdogs. Pittsburgh, they'll be underdogs. Those are their three losses you look at. Everything else is a winnable game. 
You know, Philadelphia evenly matched. We'll see where it goes. But I think they have things about their team and the way their schedule sets up that I think they could crash the party. There aren't a whole lot of others that stand out. No. I'm going with you your guy, went with Kyle. Washington, so I'm, I mean, I'm going, I'm going with your guy Kyle and the 49ers. Okay, uh, just because of him. Yeah, not because of the players, because right now the play they're banged up and they're injured. But I think he can, if any coach can, will his team into that seventh spot. It's Kyle. Yeah, I, I'm, I, they were probably been been my next pick. I guess I'm going to go with the Bears because I think that's the best possible option left. Even though I don't have a ton of faith in them. But if their offense and everybody can get the hell out of the way of their defense, they could win some games. Maybe Mitch Trubisky wasn't that bad after all, too. I'd like everybody to kind of take note of that. Maybe he wasn't as bad. Maybe it was that crappy offense. Quick break. More PFT Live. The here and now, remarkably, after all this time, there's still doubts. I'm sure you heard it earlier this year, Drew, and I'll place it in front of you as I was always keen to know what you thought about the fact that you can't throw down the field anymore, apparently. Um, that uh, you don't look that way, that there is no uh, ability to push it down the field anymore. What did you think about uh, that? As I'm sure maybe it did pass your ear gate, to use the Michael Irvin phrase from weeks two through about five. <laughs> Who are the ones making those statements? And do they know anything about football? And do they know anything about playing the quarterback position? In most cases, I'd probably say they don't. I like Salty Drew. I like that, Chris. I, I, did I, too. I think I think I think you're included. There. I, well, I was gonna say I think I might be one of those guys he might be talking about. Yeah, I've been critical of that. Listen, I and I can attest for three years of working with you, you don't know anything about football. <laughs> Thank you very much. I appreciate that. <laughs> Listen, everything he said is right. It's not. I mean, uh, it's he's not wrong. We're holding the Saints to the Super Bowl. We're holding them to that cap, and that whether you denial, whatever, the facts of the matter are one of their issues is their inability to stretch the field. And we've seen that when you get to the playoffs and it's better teams and better coaching, the lack of that element has let teams that are lesser than the Saints hang around and beat them. And that's where it's just a little scary. I'm rooting for Drew Brees. I hope he kicks butt. I really do. I just, you know me, I keep it real, and I think that's a flaw of their game. And it really is amazing. They keep coming back and having great teams Man, year amazing. after year after year, despite these heartbreaking exits from the playoffs. Hopefully they won't have another one this year. We'll have another show tomorrow unless they pull us off the air. Hopefully they won't. See you then. See ya. Find out. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.